Good day, and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Winnebago Industries third quarter fiscal year 2023 earnings call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1-1 on your telephone. You will hear a message indicating your hand is raised. And to withdraw your question, please press star 1-1 again. Be advised that today's conference is being recorded. I would now like to turn the call over to Ray Posadas, Vice President of Investor Relations and Market Intelligence. You may begin. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us today to discuss our fiscal 2023 third quarter earnings results. I am joined on the call today by Michael Happy, President and Chief Executive Officer, and Brian Hughes, Senior Vice President and Chief Financial Officer. This call is being broadcast live on our website at investor.wgo.net, and a replay of the call will be available on our website later today. This news release with our third quarter results was issued and posted to our website earlier this morning. Before we start, I'd like to remind you that certain statements made during today's conference call regarding Winnebago Industries and its operations may be considered forward-looking statements under securities laws. The company cautions you that forward-looking statements involve a number of risks and are inherently uncertain, and a number of factors, many of which are beyond the company's control, could cause actual results to differ materially from these statements. These factors are identified in our SEC filings, which I encourage you to read. With that, I would now like to turn the call over to our President and CEO, Michael Happy. Mike? Thanks, Ray. Good morning. And as always, Thanks to everyone for your interest in Winnebago Industries. I will provide an overview of our fiscal 2023 third quarter earnings results and then pass the call to Brian Hughes to cover our financial results in more detail. Following Brian's comments, I will return and offer some closing thoughts before the Q&A portion of the call. Winnebago Industries third quarter results reflect many of the same macro dynamics we experienced in the second quarter, including subdued consumer demand for RVs and a cautious dealer network, making for challenging RV comparisons to a year-ago period of tremendous growth. And while demand for new marine products in the categories we compete in has also slowed, this business segment continues to be more robust and provide valuable financial diversification within our portfolio, bolstering our consolidated results. We are working extremely hard to anticipate and navigate these trends throughout the rest of the fiscal year. And I am very proud of our Winnebago Industries team members for their hard work, determination, and passion during the quarter, and for continuing to reinforce our golden threads of quality, innovation, and service. Overall, for our fiscal third quarter, we achieved $900.8 million in net revenues, consolidated gross margin of 16.8%, and adjusted earnings per diluted share of $2.13. While our results are down from the historic year-ago period, they remain above pre-pandemic levels and continue to demonstrate the strength of our evolving and diversified portfolio of premium outdoor recreation brands. 
and the dual focus our incredible Winnebago Industries teammates have of taking care of our customers and operating the business with discipline. Our consolidated results were resilient as top-line declines in our RV segments were offset by robust profitability in towable RVs and continued dollar growth in our marine businesses. Consistent overall financial performance despite dynamic market conditions illustrates the power of our diversified business model and results in ongoing value for our shareholders. While the marine industry in general is not immune to the macro pressures impacting consumers, our brands remained well positioned within the market. Barletta in particular remains a bright spot in our portfolio delivering sturdy growth and market share gains in aluminum pontoons and exceeding revenue targets while dealers continue to be excited about this impressive brand. We also continue to manage our consolidated RV retail market share, considering ongoing dynamic and competitive market conditions. In a transitional sense, Dealers are effectively working down aging model year 2022 inventory and lower tier brands they acquired during the peak of the COVID retail frenzy. Both trends have had an interim dilutive effect on our premium RV brands market share, especially as we have less model year 2022 field inventory than most other competitive brands, a sign of our discipline. We anticipate fiscal year 2024 will see less pressure on these two fronts. More structurally and importantly, we are also monitoring the consumer's ability and willingness to pay for premium price products at this time in the economic cycle. And all our brands are active in both promotional retail support as needed or adjusting product composition in the lower priced parts of our model lineups to meet the affordability challenge. Increased competition in Class B motorhomes and dealer consolidation trends are also factors we will continue to navigate. We are very intentional in the careful balance of pursuing both stable market share, units and dollars, and industry leading OEM profitability. Recent upticks in our shipment share this spring are also positive signs dealers remain committed to our leading brands and bode well for future retail performance. Our long-range RV market share goal is 15%, and each of our three premium RV brands have established solid plans we are actively investing in to pursue and reach this cumulative target in the coming years. These plans will include, amongst other elements, new products, evolving channel strategies, organic brand extension, leadership in the digital customer journey experience, and continued inorganic pursuits if the right opportunity presents itself. We are confident in our ability to compete effectively in the years to come for increased share. We are immensely proud of the portfolio of premium businesses and the family of products we have in the market today but we are not content to stand still as economic clouds linger. Continuously investing to develop industry-leading innovation remains a core pillar of our strategy.
Barletta's recent launches of the new entry-level line, Aria, and its ultra-high-end offering, Reserve, are complemented by their latest award-winning floor plan, the Meridian Lounge, available on the Lusso and the Reserve models. A winner of the Boating Industry 2023 Top Products Award and the Marine Industry Innovation Award, the Meridian Lounge offers an exciting combination of the popular Ultra Lounge and Quad Lounge floor plans and continues to give dealers more reasons to commit increased showroom space to this young, exciting pontoon brand. Turning back to the RV side, our Winnebago brand launched the Rome Open Concept B-Van just last month as part of our Accessibility Enhanced line, a fresh open concept design with an extended chassis and pop top. Numar has recently introduced the smallest Class A luxury motorhome in the market, the 2024 Mountain Air, a 38-foot luxury motorhome in a class of its own. There is no other product on the market with this length, a passive tag axle, a Cummins 525 horsepower diesel engine, and incredible torque. All the horsepower, ride, handling, and luxury of a 45-foot motorhome in a smaller 38-foot package, allowing customers to continue doing what they love to do in a downsized model. Next, we remain committed to the continuous improvement of our margin performance with a focus on operational excellence, thoughtful production planning, and collaboration with our dealer partners to maintain an appropriate and balanced product mix. We also continue to benefit from our highly variable cost structure in managed SG&A spending, delivering double-digit adjusted EBITDA margin amid challenging RV market conditions. We will also continue to build on our enterprise capabilities in strategic sourcing and adhere to our disciplined production planning philosophy. We are dedicated to leveraging the latest consumer insights to inform our operations and enhance our ability to respond quickly and appropriately to evolving market conditions in ways that allow our business to sustain strong profitability and financial liquidity through economic and industry cycles. This past quarter, we also successfully announced and closed on the strategic vertical technology acquisition of Lithionics Battery. Lithionics is a lithium-ion battery solutions provider to recreational and specialty vehicle markets, and the addition of this company accelerates our innovation capabilities in diverse house battery solutions and advances our overall electrical supply ecosystem creating more opportunities for our RV and marine products to capitalize on consumer preferences for fully immersive, off-the-grid outdoor experiences. We have already begun integrating the Lithionics business and their unique platform of electrical capabilities into Winnebago Industries. On the environmental side, we recently partnered with the Nature Conservancy to promote conservation and protect the outdoors. The partnership centers on a land and water impact goal and includes a reforestation initiative that aims to plant trees on previously forested acres throughout Winnebago Industries headquarters state of Minnesota. Looking ahead for the rest of the fiscal year, we anticipate softened consumer demand for RVs, 
and cautious ordering behavior from dealers to continue as market conditions persist. However, we will maintain our focus on profitability and customer care by leveraging our dealer and supplier relationships and preserving our internal agility to respond to changing market conditions. Despite those current market conditions, it is important to recognize longer-term trends as our innovative premium product portfolio continues to resonate with increasingly diverse populations of outdoor lifestyle consumers. We are confident outdoor participation will continue to rise as Americans increasingly look to the outdoors and road trips to improve mental well-being and to combat the rising costs of flights, lodging, and car rentals. For example, in Winnebago Industries' third annual Spotlight Survey, 52% of respondents said they will increase outdoor activity to reduce stress, up from 2022 results. Additionally, Campgrounds of America recently shared that 65% of campers feel camping is more affordable than hotels or air travel. Despite the uncertain economic climate, our research shows that 70% of respondents have considered using an RV for travel instead of a flight, hotel, or rental car. And KOA's research shows that 33% of RVers intend to use their RV for more trips, replacing other modes of travel. Finally, we will continue to capitalize on our strong balance sheet and cash flow generation to make strategic investments in our business and our future that reinforce our golden threads of quality, innovation, and service and ensure our increasingly diverse portfolio of premium brands continue to resonate with consumers. Winnebago Industries remains well positioned to further strengthen our enterprise capabilities, capitalize on growth opportunities through the cycle, and achieve our long-term value creation goals. I will now turn the call over to our Chief Financial Officer, Brian Hughes, to review our fiscal 2023 third quarter financial results in more detail. Brian? Thanks, Mike, and good morning, everyone. Fiscal third quarter results lap a record performance in the prior year as a result of pandemic-driven demand, which significantly impacted our year-over-year -year comparisons. Third quarter consolidated revenues were $900.8 million and were 38.2% lower than the $1.5 billion recorded during the third quarter of fiscal 2022, driven by lower unit sales related to RV retail market conditions and higher discounts and allowances compared to the prior year, partially offset by favorable carryover price increases. As Mike mentioned, we continue to benefit from our diverse portfolio of premium brands in multiple segments across the outdoor recreation industry, as growth in marine sales mitigated top-line declines in our recreational vehicle segments. The mix of our businesses continues to produce a meaningfully improved consolidated sales result relative to the RV industry. Gross profit for the quarter decreased 44.5% to $151.4 million versus $273 million during the third quarter of 2022. Gross profit margin of 16.8% was 
was 190 basis points lower than last year. These declines were driven by deleverage and higher discounts and allowances compared to prior year. Despite recent headwinds in the industry and as context, gross profit margin remains above pre-pandemic third quarter 2019 levels. Third quarter operating income was 80.5 million and third quarter net income was 59.1 million, down 54.5% and 49.6% respectively, compared to the prior year period. Reported earnings per diluted share was $1.71, compared to $3.57 in the same period last year. Adjusted earnings per diluted share decreased 48.4% year over year, from $4.13 to $2.13. Consolidated adjusted EBITDA was $96.4 million for the quarter, which represents a decrease of 49.7% from $191.7 million in the prior year quarter. As a reminder, we adopted a new accounting standard in the first quarter of fiscal 2023, which impacted the accounting treatment for our convertible notes and the calculation of earnings per diluted share. Our adjustment following adoption of this new accounting pronouncement results in adjusted EPS to be an equivalent basis with how we had been doing the adjustment previously. I'll now cover our performance by segment. Revenues for the total RV segment were $384.1 million for the quarter, down 52.3% compared to the third quarter of 2022. This was primarily driven by a decline in unit volume associated with retail market conditions and higher discounts and allowances compared to prior year. To put our third quarter performance into context, revenues for the total RV segment are up 10.8% compared to the third quarter of fiscal 2019. We remain confident that the favorable exposure to the RV lifestyle that many people experienced during the pandemic environment combined with the ability to work remotely due to virtual capabilities, will provide long-term secular tailwinds and propel Winnebago Industries' growth in the coming years. Total segment adjusted EBITDA was $53.8 million, down 54.3% from the prior year period, primarily as a result of deleverage and higher discounts and allowances compared to prior year, partially offset by favorable warranty experience. Adjusted EBITDA margin was 14%, down 60 basis points year-over-year, but up 250 basis points sequentially, as total RV segment profitability demonstrated very solid resiliency during a period of sales declines and margin pressure from deleverage. Backlog decreased to $236 million, down 82% from the prior years when dealers were focused on replenishing their inventories. Turning to our motorhome RV segment, we delivered third quarter revenues of $374.4 million, down 27.5% from the $516.3 million recorded during the prior year period. This decline was the result of lower unit volume and higher discounts and allowances compared to prior year, partially offset by price increases related to higher chassis costs. Segment adjusted EBITDA was $26.8 million, representing a decrease of 58.3% from the prior year. 
Adjusted EBITDA margin was 7.2%, down 530 basis points from the third quarter of 2022 due to deleverage, higher discounts and allowances, and productivity and operational efficiency challenges, primarily related to some disruptions and inefficiencies resulting from our most recent phase of Go Live on our ERP system implementation. The Go Live was largely stabilized by the end of the quarter, but we did experience some inefficiencies that cost us approximately one to one and a half points of EBITDA margin in the quarter. We also lost an estimated 10 to 15 million of sales in the quarter, but since we do not believe retail sales were impacted by this disruption, as dealer inventories are adequate to support the end customer at the moment, these foregone wholesale shipments are expected to be recovered over the next two to three quarters. Backlog for the motorhome segment decreased 65% year over year to 800.4 million, driven by normalizing levels of dealer inventories. Dealer inventories of motorhomes are gradually returning to more appropriate levels though pockets of replenishment opportunities remain. As always, we continue to work closely with our dealer partners to ensure that they have the products they need at the appropriate time to meet consumer demand. Let's turn to our marine segment, which continued to mitigate some of the demand softness in our RV segments. Revenues were 129 million, up slightly from the 126.5 million recorded during the prior year period due to carryover price increases, partially offset by a slight decline in unit volume. We remain encouraged by the performance of Barletta, which continues to gain market share and outperform the broader aluminum pontoon category. Recall that our long-term targets included a business mix goal of 15% of our revenues coming from non-RV sources. This quarter, non-RV revenue accounted for roughly 15.8% of our overall revenues, compared to 9.3% at this time last year, and approximately 1% in fiscal 2016. While we don't necessarily expect non-RV revenue contribution to remain at this level every quarter moving forward, it demonstrates the increasing impact of our diversified revenue streams on our business. Marine segment adjusted EBITDA was 17.3 million, 12.5% lower than the same period last year. And adjusted EBITDA margin was 13.4%, 230 basis points lower, primarily due to higher discounts and allowances compared to last year. Marine backlogs were down 40.4%, compared to the third quarter of the prior year, primarily due to normalizing levels of dealer inventories. Dealer inventory, as reported for Marine, is up 67.4%. Please note that this increase includes retailed units not yet delivered, which typically makes up a higher percentage of total dealer inventory for the Marine segment. As always, we will continue to closely monitor demand trends in our Marine markets and manage our production accordingly. Moving now to the balance sheet, at the end of the quarter, Winnebago Industries had approximately $591.7 million in outstanding debt, representing a net debt-to-EBITDA ratio of approximately 0.9 times. Working capital was reduced by $80 million in the quarter, 
and we generated $140 million in cash from operating activities in third quarter. Our healthy balance sheet continues to be a strength for us and supports our balanced capital allocation strategy, focused on delivering value through strategic investments in our business to drive growth, as evidenced by our recent acquisition of Lithionics battery, and to improve our operations or increase our capacity, as well as returning capital to shareholders. During the third quarter, we repurchased roughly $20 million worth of our outstanding shares, underscoring our confidence in our ability to drive long-term, profitable, and sustainable growth. We also maintained our regular quarterly dividend, which, as a reminder, was increased by 50% to $0.27 cents per share during the fourth quarter of fiscal 2022. Finally, I wanted to briefly touch on how Lithionics results are reflected in our financial statements. As Mike mentioned, we closed our acquisition of Lithionics at the end of April, and so we have one month of results included in our Q3 financials, and therefore Lithionics does not have a significant impact on our consolidated results. As Lithionics is also a supplier to our RV and marine businesses, the sales and profitability of Lithionics products sold through Winnebago Industries businesses will be reflected in those respective segments as RV and marine products with Lithionics solutions installed on them are sold to our dealer network. Additionally, financial results from Lithionics battery solutions that are sold directly to external customers will be reflected in the corporate all other category. With that, I will now turn the call back to Mike to provide some closing comments. Mike, back to you. Thanks, Brian. And now a few closing comments before we get to the Q&A session. Looking ahead, we will continue to actively manage production levels through ongoing macro challenges and a dynamic demand environment for our outdoor products. We are committed to controlling what we can through ongoing efficiency enhancements, disciplined execution, and cost management as we continue our work to drive long-term value creation for all of our stakeholders. Regarding questions we receive from the investment community every quarter about future RV industry retail and wholesale forecasts, here is where we stand today. Winnebago Industry supports the recent RV Industry Association shipment forecast range for the calendar year 2023 period. And we will withhold comment on the RV Industry Association's 2024 calendar year shipment estimate at this time as we wait to see the remainder of the calendar 23 year play out. On the retail side for RVs in calendar 2023, we are generally seeing multiple industry stakeholder views aligned currently around 350,000 estimated retail units for this calendar year. And that feels appropriate to us as well at this time. We are entering our fourth and final quarter of fiscal 2023 with a strong balance sheet, having completed multiple inorganic and organic investments in support of future growth strategies and a sequentially improved inventory and working capital position. 
We are closely tracking and adjusting to market conditions with a focus on profitability, market competitiveness, and a preferred lot position for our premium brands with our channel partners. Our ongoing share repurchase activity and regular quarterly dividend underscores our confidence in the long-term strength of our business. Our people are also what sets Winnebago Industries apart from the rest, driving our results and positioning us for long-term success. I am excited about the overall health of the portfolio as we head into the final stretch of fiscal 2023. We are confident in our ability to continue to deliver for all our stakeholders, and we remain resolute in building a premium outdoor lifestyle company that delivers value to customers and shareholders for the long term. That concludes our prepared remarks for this morning. I will now turn the call back over to the operator who will open the line to your questions. Thank you. And as a reminder, to ask a question, simply press star 11 on your telephone and wait for your name to be announced. To withdraw the question, please press star 11 again. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Thank you. And our first question comes from the line of Craig Kennison with Baird. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning. Thank you for taking my questions. Uh, I guess I wanted to start with uh, RV inventory. How much more RV industry destocking is needed in your view? And what percentage of your RV dealer inventory is still model year 2023? Good morning, Craig. This is Mike. Uh, I'm going to start with the latter part of your uh, two-part question. Uh, you stated tw model year 2023. I'm assuming you may mean model year 2022. Uh, yes. That is, okay. That is the aging inventory that we most often get asked about. Uh, on the RV side, we actually feel uh, quite good about where we're at currently with model year 2025 or 2022 field inventory. If I were to aggregate all three of our brands, we think we're probably somewhere in the 10 to 15% range of total current RV field inventory that is model year 2022, which we believe is considerably lower than the industry uh, average uh, at this time. Uh, so um, that is probably one of the reasons, candidly, we're seeing uh, dealers put a little bit more emphasis on some other competitive brands 2022 inventory in trying to clear those out before the model year 2024 shipments begin uh, here in the next couple months. Um, so again, we, we, feel, we feel good. In terms of where we're at in the destocking phase, uh, if uh, you, you noticed in uh, our comments this morning, uh, we referenced support for the RVIA shipment number in calendar 23 of that midpoint of 297,000 units. And we referenced uh, support with roughly 350,000 units of retail in calendar 2023, which obviously mathematically would 
uh, you know, show about 50,000 units being destocked. We believe we're closer to the end of the destocking uh, phase in the RV industry today than we certainly are to the beginning. And so our hope is by the end of this uh, calendar year, you know, probably sometime in the, you know, in the late fall as we, as we turn the calendar page into 24, that dealer inventory in total, quantity and mix, will be in good shape as we begin the calendar 2024 year. Thank you. And then I'll have uh, I'll ask the same question really on on the marine category. It looks like you added significantly to dealer inventory. I'm wondering, you know, what accounts for that increase? I'm sure you've added dealers. I'm sure there's been some restocking and you mentioned something about uh some retail sold units that are still not counted as retail units. Maybe you could just expand on that. Absolutely. Uh, the majority of the field inventory unit increase in the marine segment is, is due to the Barletta, Barletta pontoon business. And there's a couple factors at play here. Um, one is, is the Barletta pontoon business is still young, and we continue to expand that business in two distinct ways. First of all, in product. We have recently introduced two new uh, products to the Barletta catalog, in the ARIA, a more volume-driven, lower-priced offering, and the Reserve, uh, which is now the very high end of the Barletta pontoon uh, menu. Both of those brands have seen uh, load-in stocking inventory, uh, you know, year-to-date, versus no shipments on either of those two brands uh, a year ago. Secondly, we continue to expand dealers within the Barletta business. Uh, in 2021 and 2022, we virtually halted any dealer geographic expansion of the Barletta brand because of the supply chain challenges that restricted a uh, normal flow of shipments to our existing dealers. We did not think it was fair to set up new Barletta dealers if we couldn't serve our existing dealers well from a supply standpoint. In this 2023 year, we have begun to open up new markets with the Barletta brand, and we have begun shipping stocking inventory to some of those markets as well. The last thing I'll mention with Barletta inventory, and Brian mentioned this, uh, I believe in his comments, the unit number you see in field inventory today has roughly 600 units of retail sold but not delivered units for the Barletta brand as of the end of our third quarter. And so, you know, we feel even better about the field inventory position in light of those units being subtracted from uh, that field inventory number you see in our materials today. Yeah, just to add to that uh, a little bit, Craig, uh, we're giving that insight primarily so you're thinking about the calculation of turns the right way. Uh, it's particularly true every May. You know, the seasonality of the marine business will always have a, a chunk of retail sold not yet delivered um, each May we report. And so that was true last year. It's true this year. Um, sequentially, though, sequentially from February to May, it's, it's going to have an impact. Uh, on that turns calculation. So we just wanted to make sure we provided that additional insight 
so that as you're calculating turns, you're taking that into consideration um, appropriately. Great, thank you. Thanks. Thank you. One moment for our next question, please. Any comments from the line of Tristan Thomas Martin with BMO Capital Markets? Please go ahead. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, how did retail trend over the quarter, and then what are you seeing so far in June? Kristen, good morning. This is Mike. Uh, I will speak a, a bit to the flow of retail um, in Q3. Uh, we won't offer much insight into June uh, at this time, um, but from a May standpoint, uh, our May retail results for the RV business were slightly improved, uh, but similar to what we saw in April. Um, what was notable was um, one, of the, one of the last weeks of the month of May, we saw a much better RV retail week in the last week of May than we had seen in the previous weeks of May. So if you're looking for green shoots of a little bit stronger year-over-year -year comparisons, uh, we saw a little bit of that at the end of May, but cumulatively, uh, May was uh, similar, if not slightly improved, versus April RV results. Um, on the marine side, um, we did see a further degradation of um, particularly pontoon retail uh, from a comp year-over-year -year percentage standpoint in May than we did in April. We still saw a seasonal increase, as we generally do, but we did not see um, retail hold on the pontoon side as much as we would have liked uh, in the month of May. Uh, so hope hope that helps, Tristan. Okay, thank uh, you. Maybe a longer term kind of philosophical question. How are you looking at your ASPs and kind of affordability given you are a premium brand and premium portfolio as we kind of enter uh, fiscal year 24? Obviously, as you stated, uh, you know, we are a portfolio of premium brands. And so um, as really part of our business model, we are justifying to dealers and to end customers constantly that price gap between our premium brands products and the, the lower priced um, products uh, in the market. And so there's always healthy tension as to what that step-up difference is between us and a uh, competitive, uh, you know, less premium brand or product offering. And our businesses today are, are still razor-focused on managing that premium gap. Because of the size uh, that we are in our respective industries, we tend to not always be the price leader in terms of movement. And so, therefore, you know, we do our best to monitor competitive pricing activity, street uh, retail price activity through the dealers, and adjust pricing accordingly in ways that are traditionally uh, aligned or comfortable with each brand. Um, some brands we have in our portfolio 
have a uh, have a, a little bit more uh, honed practice of uh, retail discounting or support, and some of our brands uh, tend to shy away from that and focus uh, more on uh, invoice pricing or support uh, to the dealer. So we're watching that carefully, given that many uh, around the RV and marine industries have questioned the affordability concerns of the lifestyle uh, with both the price of goods rising and the cost of retail financing. And so our, uh, our businesses are managing that uh, in various ways. Um, you can see in our results of this quarter that in some cases within some of our segments, the ASPs went up. And I believe in our tollables RV segment, the ASP actually was a little lower per unit uh, than, uh, you know, than um, at least uh, in the recent past. Uh, so, you know, that's a dynamic uh, topic and one that our businesses are certainly trying to stay on top of. I'll just add one more thing to that, um, Tristan. As you can appreciate, the more disciplined you are in your production or capacity utilization and forward-looking that you are, uh, the less of a uh, challenge or problem you create for yourselves in your own finished goods and, the, and the, the, the need to move product. So we take great pride in also having a good forward view, a very disciplined approach to, to our build schedule, and that helps us as well, uh, we believe. Uh, but it also does um, show up in the pricing and the discounting that's necessary um, for us to do relative to others, perhaps. Got it. Thank you. One moment for our next question, please. Any comments from the line of Scott Stember with Ross Capital MKM? Scott, please go ahead. Uh, good morning, guys, and thanks for taking my questions. Good morning, yeah, good morning Scott. Um, in the release, you guys talked about uh, how your margins benefited from some carryover pricing. Um, can you talk about, you know, how we should expect that to flow over into Q4, particularly, I guess, with the final purge of 22 models, and um, if you're expecting any discounting on 23s ahead of the 24s coming up? Yes, Scott, good morning. This is Brian. I'll, I'll take the initial stab at that and, and Mike can pile on if, if needed. Uh, we're seeing still inflationary pressures on two segments um, from a year-over-year -year perspective. So the motorized segment and the marine segment are both seeing year-over-year uh, -year inflation. Um, and then likewise, that carryover pricing, that largely offsets that inflation. On the towable side, uh, we are seeing year over year, we're starting to see actual declines year over year, and so some of the, the pricing will, will reflect that um, inflation year over year as well, or deflation, if you will. Um, on a sequential basis, it's become um, uh, pretty neutral. You know, so the, the cost environment sequentially is flat for both motorhome and, and marine. Um, we're actually seeing on the towable side um, some stability as well now, uh, sequentially. So I think you'll, what you can expect from us going forward is, is pricing that mimics or follows that year-over-year -year inflation such that that net equation is, is pretty neutral. And we expect that likewise for Q4. All right, and just for modeling purposes, I know you guys don't guide, but um, 
obviously have some very dynamic market conditions going on right now and uh, lots of reports of you know uh, June and July a lot of time being taken down just to make sure we get these 2022s out um, but maybe just give us uh, a little help on you know what to expect from a production standpoint in uh, in the fourth quarter and second part of that is when will you be um, starting to produce 24s um, and, and, and shipping them out. Good morning, Scott. This is Mike. Uh, we generally do not share uh, production uh, downtime uh, information specifically. Uh, and those decisions, as you might expect, are made on a, on a brand-by-brand uh, basis. Um, it is likely, however, that uh, Q4 of fiscal year 23 will see more down weeks than we saw in Q4 of fiscal uh, 22. Uh, we worked very diligently in Q3 to try to move as many of our remaining model year 2023 products across all of our businesses as much as we could. And there is some remaining model year 2023 product that we continue to move, uh, particularly in the RV businesses here in the month of June. But it is important to us that we get rid of our internal model year 2023 product before we start shipping model year 2024 product because it's highly likely we would see dealer pushback on 2023 pricing if we wanted to start to start shipping 2024 product uh, too prematurely. In several of our businesses, we have already begun to make model year 2024 product, but we have not yet started to ship in most of those businesses that product yet. But that will be happening here over the course of Q4. We do imagine that Q4 will see some pressure on the top line due to the fact that dealers are resistant in taking much more model year 2023 product before the model year 2024 product hits the market. That's in line with both their destocking mentality currently, but also their desire to obviously protect their margins uh, and not take any further quote unquote, you know, aged product. Uh, so again, we anticipate Q4 could see some top line pressure due to that transition especially in the first half of our Q4 period. Yeah, I think the only other detail I would add behind that, um, uh, Scott, is the marine segment in particular, as Mike alluded to, is seeing that slowdown in, in retail. Um, and we were in, in pretty heavy um, inventory build mode uh, in the marine business last year in Q4. So I think that the comparisons get tougher as a result of the combination of, of those two events. And if I could just sneak one last one in, um, your backlog, does that have much, if any, 24 orders, or is that more just 23s? It depends by business. Uh, Scott, as an example, we had a Newmar dealer meeting in, I believe it was late April, where the Newmar team essentially pitched and took orders on future model year 2024 product. So some of the backlog in the motorized segment, as an example, includes those Numar orders on 2024 product, which is generally the first probably three to six months of uh, the Numar model year 2024 year. I would say the other brands um, 
the, 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 the product was probably ordered under the guise of a 2023, you know, uh, timing, uh, but that unit will be delivered most likely in Q4 as a, or Q1, you know, as a 2024 model year product. Um, so even if the order was written as 23, most likely it will be um, supplied uh, as, a, as a 2024. Got it. Thanks again, guys. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. One moment for our next question, please. And he comes from the line of Fred Whiteman with a Wolf of Research. Please proceed. Hey, guys. Good morning. Uh, Mike, I'm hoping you could just help us rationalize. You, you sort of laid out the expectation for softer consumer demand and cautious dealer orders here uh, going forward. But then you also talked about some really strong demand at the end of May. So can you just sort of help us rationalize those two thoughts? Uh, good morning, Fred. Um, you, you know, I think it depends on, um, you know, one is retail that I referenced in terms of um, a good single week of uh, retail comp-wise that we saw in that last week of May that was promising going into June. Um, whether that's the sign of a sustained uh, trend in, in terms of stronger comps year over year, uh, less down as an example, uh, is, is yet to be seen as, as we continue to travel, you know, through the summer uh, selling, uh, selling months. Um, I would say the, the top-line shipment demand is more predicated uh, in both the RV uh, uh, segments, but also now the marine segment, on dealers' appetite for inventory. Uh, as I commented earlier in the Q&A, I do believe we're in the later stages of the destocking uh, cycle here, with dealers, especially on the RV side. Um, but dealers continue to be very focused on moving model year 22 product, um, limiting further exposure of model year 23, and then being very careful about their opening model year 2024 products that they will take. The good news is, is Winnebago Industries is in excellent shape on model year 2022 product. We are also beginning to see some of those second or third tier uh, branded inventory begin to clear from some of our dealers' lots. Um, and we feel we will be in a good position timing-wise, um, hopefully again later in the calendar year 2023, and especially as we move into calendar 2024, uh, to begin to see some benefits from a more one-to-one -one, uh, shipment to retail reordering uh, cycle that we hope to transition uh, into. So. Um, I can't reconcile a single week of retail and some of the top-line demand dynamics, uh, but we'll just continue to monitor it as best we can. Fair enough. And then can you just sort of walk through the differing margin performance across the two RV segments? I mean, Tobles was pretty good on a year-over-year -year basis despite all the volume declines, um, but looks like Motorized took a step down, and it sounds like part of that's due to the ERP issues, but um, what exactly explains the, the differing trajectory between the two RV sectors? Yeah, Fred, this is Brian. I'll take that one. Um, on the tollable side and the motorized side, the biggest lever by, so, by far is volume and the deleverage that happens. Um, I'd say the, the, the tollables um, segment has a, a higher percentage of variable cost than the motorized segment. Uh, that's by virtue of, of several factors but um, that I'm not going to get into. But I think you have to assume a, 
a higher variable cost structure on the towable side uh, than the motorized. But deleverage and the volume declines uh, associated with it is the biggest driver by far. I'd say the allowances and discounts, we mentioned that in both segments as well. Uh, that's the, the next largest impact. And then the difference that you had in the quarter between towables and motorizes, towables had a favorable experience in the uh, warranty costs, um, continue to, to see some, some good results from Grand Design in particular and the focus on their quality uh, in, in their production and what that, how that translates into warranty costs in the long term. So we had some favorable experience there in Q3 for towables that helped that segment in particular, and that's why we called that out. Uh, it helped that segment deliver higher margins. And then, as you mentioned, on the motorized side, we did have the ERP implementation. This is our third phase. First couple phases were in prior years, and they went quite well. Uh, this third phase um, stood up several of our verticals. One vertical in particular struggled with that ERP implementation, and that, that caused some disruption for us in the quarter. So I called out one to one and a half points of margin degradation, um, EBITDA margin degradation as a result of that implementation. We think we're uh, largely through the, the worst of it here, uh, sitting here today, and so uh, it was something that we felt we should call out, though, for our, our quarterly results. Those are the biggest differences. You know, the deleverage uh, dwarfs pretty much all other drivers as it relates to the margin percent. Got it. Thank you. Just one moment for our next question, please. Any comments from the line of Michael Schwartz with Atruis Securities? Please proceed. Hey, hey guys. Good, uh, good morning. Uh, just maybe following up on, on margins, um, on, on Fred's comments, but maybe at a more holistic level, just the, the last three quarters we've seen you pretty consistently in this gross margin range of the high 16s, and then that comes despite, obviously, the volume deleverage and some of the input price um, aspects and now allowances coming back. So I guess my question is, and not in knowing you don't give guidance, but is kind of 16, high 16s a floor level to think about as we as we try to model out for, for uh, fiscal 24 and 25? Yeah. Good morning, Mike. Thanks for the question. This is Brian. Um, you know, I, I think the sustainability of our margins, we've, we've demonstrated that over the longer term. I, I hate to you know, comment on a, a Q4 in particular as you're thinking about Q4. We're going to continue to have pressures from the retail environment, from the inventory levels, as Mike was just talking about, and the associated environment overall for pricing and discounting. Uh, that's going to be a headwind that we continue to face in the near term. Now, obviously, over the long term, we're going to differentiate through the focus that we have on quality, on service, a differentiated product through innovation. Uh, things such as lithionics and um, the upside that that should deliver to us in the long term uh, will be tailwinds. But I think that near term between the deleverage and the sales declines that we have, as well as the market pressures on um, on pricing, uh, th those headwinds will be will be tough to maintain in the in the near term. The kind of margins that we've had historically. So we're going to continue to work very hard at it finding the operational efficiencies as well and being very disciplined in our production schedules. We think, as I, as I mentioned earlier, that that discipline 
helps to mitigate some of the challenges in, in uh, the discounts and allowances, uh, but yet we're still subject to the overall market there. So um, I think headwinds are, are going to be pretty prevalent. Two additional comments, Mike, from uh, my end very quickly. One is, is um, as you may recall, we did communicate uh, last fall that uh, a long-range goal for us in terms of growth margins is 19%. And uh, we, Brian and I, don't structurally see anything long-term uh, that dissuades us from thinking that that isn't a reasonable target, you know, some years down the road, uh, especially in a more healthy uh, demand environment. Um, the other thing I would just like to point out again is at a consolidated level, uh, our portfolio continues to benefit from uh, the work we've done in the last seven or eight years around driving now a, a very meaningful towables business and now an increasingly material uh, marine business. And both of those could still certainly see margin volatility based on the factors that Brian uh, referenced, especially in the short term. But the general benefits of our diversification from a, um, a profitability floor standpoint, uh, that floor has definitely been improved versus uh, pre-COVID Winnebago industries uh, because of uh, those businesses and our investments through the years. Okay, th thank you for the color. Maybe just a follow-up, just on the on the promotion and, and, and kind of discounting allowance front that you've, you've referenced a number of times in this call. Can you maybe just give us a little context? Obviously, promotion discounting is higher year over year, but a, a little context of maybe where that stands versus pre-pandemic levels? Yeah, Mike, I would say that to characterize it further, a good context, it's very similar in the levels that we did pre-pandemic. We are, we are not at elevated levels sitting here today versus where we were in 2018 and 19. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. One moment for our next question, please. All right, and our next question comes from Brett Jordan with Jeffries. Please proceed. Hey, good morning, guys. This is Patrick Buckley on for Brett Jordan. Thanks for taking our questions. Good morning, Brett. Uh, could you guys talk a little bit more about uh, the current levels of finished goods inventory um, and, and, and how you guys compare to the peers? Have, have trends generally improved there to start the year? Patrick, this is Mike. Um, as, as you may expect, we don't have uh, great – visibility to competitive uh, inventory levels per se. Um, so uh, we believe that our businesses have been destocking at um, probably similar levels versus competition, but candidly, uh, percentage-wise, we may be destocking less for these reasons. One, uh, we had less aged inventory uh, as we began uh, calendar year 2023. And, uh, and secondly, uh, over the course of the last couple of years, uh, because of our market share gains, particularly uh, in, in the grand design business on the RV side, um, you know, we, we had a strong rationale for our, our field inventories growing for, you know, for periods of time. Uh, but we do not believe that our field inventory levels in any way, shape, or form are um, inordinately higher uh, as a percent of either past or forward retail than our competitors. And in fact, and we may be biased here, 
but we believe they're, they're, they're potentially, in some cases, uh, in better shape. Um, where we are not advantaged in the extreme short term is if our competitors have higher levels of model year 2022 inventory um, and there remain second or third tier brands in the market, um, the dealers are very much emphasizing moving those at the current time. If you look at SSI retail for RV towables as an example, uh, particularly travel trailers, um, most of the top 10 brands in the industry were not the brands that gained share in some of the recent SSI results. It was actually brands 11 through 30 uh, that were gaining a little bit of share, and we believe that was a function of those brands uh, being higher in inventory uh, and or being rationalized off the lot uh, eventually here. If Got it. Just, Brian, just to follow up a little bit there, were you asking about our finished goods on our lot? Uh, yes. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, because I think Mike was addressing the field inventory. On, and finished goods just would reiterate that our uh, approach, generally speaking, is a build-to-order approach. That is, when we start a, a chassis into production uh, or a boat into production, it is tied directly to a dealer order. Um, our finished goods right now is um, slightly elevated versus the history because you have situations where, where we start a production or a, um, a unit into production, um, that dealer may subsequently back out of that order. Um, and that has happened more frequently in the recent uh, past than it has um, you know, versus a year ago, for example. So our finished goods are up slightly. I'd say they're still in a very comfortable position um, uh, relative to the industry, largely speaking. Got it. That, that's helpful. Thank you. Um, and, and then I guess as you, uh, you know, look into the, the competitive landscape and you mentioned, um, you know, some shifts recently, uh, has pricing remained generally rational from what you guys can see on the competitive landscape? I would say we would uh, state that, you know, pricing has been rational, um, but – um, you know, all players in the industry are considering uh, opportunities to address uh, the affordability concerns, particularly on the RV side. And so you are seeing at times for, um, new models introduced from various OEMs uh, that are trying to ensure that consumers have an affordable entrance into their uh, product lineups. And so that can happen through decontenting a product you know, taking off a few features or functions, uh, thus removing some costs for the bill, the bill material and being able to put a cheaper price unit in the market. Um, you know, or in some cases, uh, OEMs are extending their product lineups, uh, you know, a little bit lower, like we did with Aria on the Barletta pontoon business uh, to price points that maybe they haven't had a presence in before. Our businesses will continue to focus on, yes, still offering premium options uh, to uh, the competition through our brands, but our brands are also working intentionally uh, to provide uh, products uh, that our dealers can use to reach consumers who may be more price sensitive. And I think you'll see some evidence of that and some announcements and displays of that uh, in the coming months uh, as our businesses uh, continue forward with those plans. I would imagine you'll see some of that product at the open house event in Elkhart 
in September. Great. That's all for us. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. One moment for our next question, please. And he comes from the line of David Whiston with Morningstar. Please proceed. Uh, thanks. Good morning. Uh, just curious with the lithionics deal done, do you still have any uh, significant uh, R&D tech holes that you're looking to fill, uh, possibly via M&A? Good morning, David. This is Mike. Uh, as we've stated, the lithionics acquisition uh, was a, a new form of acquisition for Winnebago Industries, at least in our recent history, uh, in the sense that it was obviously an investment in a, a strategic technology vertical uh, that we believe uh, is an important area uh, for the future, that being the electrification of house power and, candidly, the, uh, you know, the, the further minimization of, pro of components like uh, gas or diesel generators in uh, RVs or boats in, in the future. Um, we are currently uh, assessing, you know, the rest of our electrical ecosystem from a supply chain standpoint to ensure that we uh, have access to components uh, which we believe uh, are important to advantaging our products and brands, uh, differentiating us in the future and offering the consumer great uh, experiences uh, as, uh, as, again, more products become electrified, especially on house power. And so uh, we have no news to announce. Uh, that could be anything from just uh, having a stronger second or third uh, source of components in that electrical ecosystem, uh, or it could be considering uh, further vertical investments uh, in the future. Uh, but we believe that is a key area of our business model uh, to assess uh, and protect uh, and create an advantage in uh, going forward uh, here over the next decade for sure. Okay, and um, Marine, do you, have you noticed any difference between any major difference between the Chris Craft and the Barletta uh, customers' consumer confidence right now? They are two different customers uh, for the most part. You know, there could be a few Chris Craft customers that also own uh, pontoons, particularly in the freshwater markets. Uh, but as we've stated before, the Chris Craft customer uh, is exceptionally affluent. Uh, often paying cash, uh, you know, a high majority of the time for their purchases. Um, they have a general ability to make investments in high-end discretionary outdoor products during even very difficult, you know, down-cycle moments. Um, but even that business has seen, um, you know, pressure in terms of retail performance uh, as well. Uh, and that may be due to a number of factors, you know, whether it's the volatility of uh, the stock markets uh, or it's the fact that, uh, you know, some of those consumers may personally be involved in businesses that are, you know, tightening uh, their belt as well, and they want to lead by example even personally. Uh, the Barletta business is definitely a more price-conscious uh, consumer, albeit it's a higher-end consumer in the pontoon segment, but you see more... Uh, middle-income families uh, and and folks that uh, you know don't have the ability to spend uh, you know what a Chris Craft uh, a customer can. We see more retail financing uh, on pontoons, um, and again, the cost of retail financing at a rate standpoint is probably two to two and a half times higher uh, than it was a year ago. So uh, that being said, 
the Barletta business is still quite resilient for the reasons we mentioned earlier in the call. Uh, our market share has now risen to around 7.5% uh, in recent months on aluminum pontoons. And so uh, it's still a business that is swimming a little bit against the current in terms of share in a positive sense. Um, but we still have to be very conscious with uh, the affordability factor uh, on that line over time as well. I guess just extending on that, I mean, given the Chris Craft customers' wealth, stock market is now doing quite well again, and we still haven't had this recession that everyone keeps waiting for. It, it just doesn't seem to be happening. And the Barletta continues to overperform relative to your expectations. I mean, it's, it's probably fair to say you're, you're not too worried about your marine business relative to the RVs, right? Well, as Brian indicated a little bit earlier, I do think you're going to see the marine uh, industry overall uh, travel a little bit further deeper into the down cycle uh, than it has to date. Uh, and we anticipate continuing to see some pressure, at least probably in the next couple quarters to that, that end, uh, especially as dealers continue to rationalize uh, their inventories. We are ecstatic about the two brands that we have in the marine industry, in Chris Craft and Barletta. And uh, most of you on the call know we've expressed a continued interest to assess and potentially invest in uh, further marine assets. Um, but for the long term, uh, both of these businesses have bright prospects. Uh, we're investing in people, technology, uh, infrastructure uh, to ensure that under healthy market conditions, uh, they can outpace the competition. So. Um, you know, in, in many respects, they've, they've stayed a little bit ahead of the RV uh, businesses here recently, um, but I think there's some further pressure in Marine to go through uh, before we reach a down cycle trough there uh, and start to find some tailwinds again someday. Okay, thank you. Thank you. One moment for our next question, please. When it comes from the line of Joe Altobello with Raymond James, please proceed. Thanks. Hey, guys. Good morning. Um, I just want to go back to your comments earlier regarding towable pricing. I think you mentioned that costs are coming down uh, and that pricing should follow. I, I assume you don't mean that like-for-like -like MSRPs will be coming down in model year 24, but rather that your realized ASPs may be going down given higher discounts and allowances and maybe the mix to, to lower price models. just want to get a better sense of, of how you're thinking about, you know, pricing in 24. Joe, this is Mike. I'll address that first, and Brian, um, please support as needed. Um, you know, it, it, we, are, we are very focused on ensuring uh, that we have competitive pricing in the market for both our Grand Design and Winnebago Towables businesses. And as Brian alluded to, where the bill of material and cost trends uh, allow us to consider lowering invoice price to the dealer uh, as part of our model, you know, year 2024 uh, strategies, uh, we will very seriously consider that. Uh, we, we cannot depend solely on the dealer to absorb the margin, uh, you know, hit to hit the street retails uh, that may be necessary to, you know, keep our market share where we want it on those two businesses. Uh, the Winnebago brand has tended to be a little bit more uh, promotional and rebate active, uh, whereas the Grand Design business has been a little bit more pure historically 
in terms of focusing on making sure we have the right invoice price. So both of those invoices uh, may reach similar places in different ways, uh, but, but we, we will be active in adjusting uh, invoice price, uh, particularly on grand design if we need to, um, to make sure that the, the ultimate you know, retail that we need to be at in the market uh, is competitive, um, and particularly on the Winnebago brand where we need to be promotionally active as well, um, you know, we'll, we'll consider that. So, um, you know, I would, I would say, you know, we, we need to remain on the offensive in terms of market share stability and, you know, someday progression again. Um, and, and that does mean that we, you know, we have to probably be uh, more agile from a, from a pricing standpoint as we see costs shift. Got it. It's very helpful. And maybe just to shift over to the credit environment, have you seen any changes lately? Are you, are you hearing of any lenders exiting either the RV or marine spaces? On the retail side or the um, floor plan financing side, we are not seeing any exits. It uh, seems to be a pretty stable environment. We're see certainly seeing costs go up or interest rates go up uh, in the range of 400 points probably on the retail side. Um, not quite as much on the floor plan financing side, but it, it could get to that point. So certainly you're seeing pressure from, a, the, from the cost side. Availability and willingness to lend, um, you know, I've been expecting to see some tightening on the retail side. Um, I think you're seeing a little bit of that in terms of FICO score and, and credit worthiness, um, and retail lenders may, maybe being a little bit more selective. but. We are not hearing these anecdotal examples from dealers where they had a sale in hand and it fell through due to financing. Not, not, not often. You know? So it seems to be that the availability of credit is still there. It's just at um, uh, a more costly level. Got it. Okay. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. One moment for our next question, please. And it comes from the line of James Hardiman with City. Please proceed. Hi, good morning. Um, thanks for, for taking my call. I think most of my questions have been answered, but maybe help me connect the dots here. Um, obviously, the RVIA numbers have come down quite a bit since your last update. Um, it sounds like you agree with those numbers, but uh, I'm trying to figure out how, if at all, your own expectations for, for your own business have changed uh, in, in, in recent months. Good morning, James. Uh, this is Mike. Uh, yeah, I would say what we expressed this morning, um, you know, correlates, you know, closely to obviously the internal discussions we've had, we're having with our businesses, uh, you know, about, uh, you know, current market conditions in calendar 2023. You know, our fiscal year ends, as all of you know, at the end of August, and subsequently we are uh, very much in the annual planning process for our fiscal year 24 uh, period, and uh, we're having internal discussions of some significance on, uh, you know, how we think the market will act, uh, not just through calendar 23, but through obviously most of calendar year 2024, and we're not ready to share any observations or, I guess, you know, forecasts or projections about that period at, at this time. Uh, but I think the bigger discussion, James, is potentially less what 23 is going to look like at this point 
we don't see a, a ton changing uh, inflection-wise in 23 versus the current momentum. But what we do believe is we're nearing a point here in the next you know, six months, especially on the RV business, where most, if not all, of that destocking appetite from dealers uh, will probably be, um, you know, filled. And, uh, and then now you're talking about the timing to potentially turn the corner and, uh, and see market conditions be more supportive of a one-for-one, -one, uh, you know, refill environment uh, on the RV side. And that then changes the math a bit, obviously, on uh, wholesale shipments uh, going forward, uh, if we can see some level of retail stability, and then over time, obviously, see retail continue to grow again. Um, so uh, we're optimistic, you know, that the industry has ridden through this down cycle in a relatively healthy manner. I think uh, OEMs, suppliers, and dealers have been rational and uh, uh, probably as disciplined as we've seen in this down cycle than uh, in most or any previous down cycles. Uh, and that should bode well for a relatively, uh, you know, quick uh, turn back to some wholesale velocity uh, once, you know, once retail is stable and the inventories are uh, finished being right-sized. Right so I'm, I'm optimistic, you know, continue to be optimistic about, you know, our prospects in the future. Uh, I'm also very bullish on consumer engagement in the outdoors. We tried to highlight that. Uh, throughout the call, uh, several slides in our supplement uh, deck, uh, consumer engagement in the outdoors is strong. Um, and, uh, and while that's not necessarily resulting today uh, in the type of retail or wholesale activity that, you know, we'd like to see, um, that uh, underlying foundational momentum uh, is still there, and we anticipate that we'll be able to tap into that uh, you know, in the not not too distant future, in a in a in a way that's more meaningful to our financial results. Uh, that's really helpful. Makes a lot of sense. Um, and so, if I sort of piece together what you've said here, it sounds like you know by the end of the year, you're hoping that that things are a little bit more normal, more more of a one to one wholesale to retail. But if I think about the the nearer term, right, um, your fourth quarter in the next few months, um, it sounds like what you're saying is. And, and what we're hearing everywhere is that the, the focus is going to be clearing out these model year 22s and lower tier brands of which you have very, very little, <laughs> very few uh, of those units um, left to sell. And so how, how should we expect that to manifest itself in, in terms of some of the numbers? Um, it seems like maybe we should expect your retail share to be lower in the in this quarter as as dealers focus on stuff that you don't have but as they replenish maybe your shipment share is is higher or am i making too much of a leap there james our shipment share actually in the last uh you know three to six months has been trending uh, a little bit higher uh than previous years which we believe uh is a good foreshadowing of you know a potential um you know, retail share increase at some point in the future. I think both Brian and I have commented in different ways on the call that um, uh, there are various reasons why our market share is what it is in the short term. In some cases, we continue to gain share in certain spots, and in other cases, uh, we've uh, lost a little share. Um, some of that are, are due to potentially reasons that aren't as much in our control as we'd like, 
uh, and you know other reasons for any shared dilution that are in our control, we're working vigorously hard uh, to, uh, to address. And I mentioned that in the first half of my comments uh, this morning. Uh, we're not going to comment uh, specifically, obviously, for Q4 um, you know, on the top line, but I think you've heard from both Brian and I this morning that um, you know, the, the top line uh, conditions for Q4 for uh, uh, both the RV and marine segment uh, could be a little bit more challenged than they, you know, than they were on a year-over-year -year basis uh, than in Q3. And that's probably, you know, what we'll limit our statement to today. Got it. That's, that's really good color. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. One moment, please, for our next question. Any comments from the line of Brandon Roll with DA Davidson. Please proceed. Good morning. Thank you for taking my questions. I think you had mentioned earlier uh, in your prepared remarks you were watching dealer consolidation. Obviously, Camping World has been very aggressive acquiring dealerships. Do you feel like uh, your absence from their dealer network could limit your uh, market share upside in the upcoming years? Thanks. Yeah, good morning, Brandon. Uh, this is this is Mike. Uh, we continue to watch dealer consolidation um, very intently in, in all of our businesses. So we're seeing dealer consolidation on the marine side as well, maybe not to the degree we've seen it recently uh, on the RV side. Um, you know, each of our businesses, um, you know, has, um, you know, frontline relationships with uh, all of our dealers. Um, uh, Camping World specifically uh, does uh, business with our Winnebago brand. Uh, in dozens of markets uh, today, um, and we do not have a presence uh, with the Grand Design brand uh, or the Numar brand uh, in Camping World stores uh, at this time. Uh, but each of our businesses does have an open dialogue and relationship uh, with Camping World, as they do with uh, other uh, dealer groups. Uh, and we really, um, you know, take those conversations uh, on a market-by-market -market basis uh, in many cases. Uh, we respect uh, what Camping World and other large dealer groups are attempting to do uh, to create successful businesses. Um, and, uh, and where there's an opportunity to have a win-win uh, relationship between any retailer and any of our brands, uh, we are very open to considering that. So I would tell you that there is no hard and fast line here at Winnebago Industries that uh, you know, we will or we won't do business with certain uh, dealers. Um, our business unit leaders are on point uh, to make the best decisions in the interest of our company, uh, but also try to find win-win solutions with, you know, all of the dealer groups uh, on a market-by-market -market basis. And so uh, we're watching uh, all of those trends carefully and have active discussions with many dealer groups as to, you know, as to how we can help each other succeed. Great. And just finally, on the excess model year 23 inventory uh, at the factory level, I guess how does that promotional activity for those units evolve, say, you know, throughout the end of June if dealers still don't want inventory? And obviously it seems like the industry is going to move ahead with model year 24 sometime in, uh, you know, early to mid-July. Uh, you know, how aggressive promotionally could you get there uh, to move those units uh, ahead of uh, the 24 shipments? Thanks. Yeah, uh, as, as Brian indicated earlier, um, 
you know, the, the, the amount of discounting, uh, whether it's to move uh, our open inventory uh, or to support actions in the field, uh, is generally in line uh, with what we saw, you know, back uh, pre-pandemic. And so, you know, we don't anticipate, um, you know, probably material uh, change in that sort of sales allowance line, uh, you know, um, or sort of off-invoice line uh, to move the remainder of our model year 2023 uh, inventory. Um, you know, as Brian stated, we're not, uh, you know, excessively, um, uh, you know, high on model year 2023 inventory at this time. Our businesses did a really good job in moving that in Q3. They continued to do a good job of, of moving that here early in Q4. Uh, and I think we'll be able to move through most of that with reasonable support um, as we introduce our model year 2024 inventory. That's actually a commitment from our businesses to our dealers as well, uh, is, to, is to work with them to take care of that so that we can both make a smooth transition uh, to 2024 uh, products. So um, I, I, don't, I don't think you'll see you know, abnormal impact to our financials because of that topic alone. Thank you. Thank you. And this concludes the Q&A portion of today's conference. I'd like to turn the call back over to management for any final thoughts. Thank you. This is the end of our third quarter earnings call. Thank you to everyone for joining us. Enjoy your day. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This concludes the conference, and you may now disconnect.